Greetings and welcome to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. And this is episode number 17. Greetings everyone. I hope you had a prosperous Living Your Best Life in Africa week. Now, following all the encouragement I've been pushing about starting new lives by making contact with African countries, I thought it would be good to talk about some of the key things we need to consider when thinking about starting businesses in Africa. This is important because there are huge opportunities opening up as early as 2022 to start businesses in Africa. And it therefore doesn't harm us to start to think about some key things that may impact the way we want to do business or run our businesses in Africa. Now, there are two types of businesses we can be running in Africa. Firstly, there's the business that is 100% online with you being based simultaneously, maybe in Africa, but also in a Western country, running your business from your laptop. And this is the kind of business that I currently have. The second type of business is a business that is based in Africa and is serving the needs of African people in the African country where you're living, but also maybe serving the needs of people in neighbouring African countries. Now, I've already spent a bit of time talking about the first type of business. So if you're interested in starting this type of business, you can revisit podcast episodes three, four and five to get an idea of the key themes for this type of business. In this podcast, I want to focus on laying the foundations for starting the second type of business, by addressing some of the key issues we may need to consider when thinking of starting a business in an African country. Now, what I have to say might sound a bit technical, but I don't mean it to be. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we have to start to grapple with some of the language that surrounds business and finance in Africa so we can represent ourselves and our potential to do business in Africa better than we are doing now. Now that I've said that, the first point to consider when thinking about setting up a business in Africa is that visa entry conditions for Africans who want to return to the continent need to be relaxed to enable the best African talent to return to Africa. And that isn't the situation we currently have. In episode 15 of the podcast, I talked about the relaxed visa conditions for people living in the Caribbean islands who want to visit or live in Ghana. And also I talked about the relaxing of visa arrangements between Ghana and South Africa. But these are exceptions to the rule. They're not the norm. And it's always been my view that visa restrictions are the biggest barrier preventing African people in the global African community from returning to specific African countries to start to set up businesses 
And I've always said that the first African country to see the economic value in supporting freedom of movement of Africans, not just in Africa, but also importantly, Africans who live outside the continent in the global African community, all of whom want to have a long-term personal and economic relationship with specific African countries. The first African country to address this will heap huge economic rewards from that movement of people. Why do I think this? Because it's no secret that Africans in the UK, in the USA, or from other different white countries, and Africans currently living in the Caribbean, are some of the most highly skilled Africans of our generation, particularly in hard and soft computer and technology skills, some of which are the very skills that African countries need to attract to support the upskilling of their own future workforces. In 2016, the Huffington Post reported that there are nearly 170 million Africans living outside of the continent, and of these, some 40 million Africans live in North America, whilst almost 4 million Africans live in the European Union. And of the Africans living outside Africa, it's long been accepted that hurdles which Africans outside of Africa have to jump through just to catch a break in Western countries has led to the development of some of the most skillful, ingenious, resilient and resourceful people who with our experiences would add great economic value to the economies of African countries. But for this to happen, Africans from the global African community need to have freedom of movement based on our African descent status. That movement would allow Africans to move knowledge, skills, experience and money and our desire and ability to toil in a way that would benefit African countries greatly. Add to this the number of African people outside Africa who would re-enter education to fill a specific gap in knowledge or to benefit their African businesses and business opportunities. And we suddenly see a purpose-filled reason for being in the West alongside a future that is African-based, that has direction, purpose and promise for a lot of people who are looking for these types of changes. Both Ethiopia and Ghana have seen this vision and are shooting for that gap to make positive moves towards acknowledging the financial benefits of embracing a freedom of movement for Africans who emigrate into their respective countries. In July 2017, the new Ethiopian government began issuing nearly 1,000 Rastafari population of Shashamani with national identity cards, which for the first time in almost 60 years meant that Africans who had emigrated to Ethiopia and had remained stateless ever since will no longer require a visa to enter and exit Ethiopia and can now live without residence permits. This is huge. Sadly, though, this momentum shift came too late for some key activists, 
many of whom are close friends of mine who passed away before they could see the benefits of their efforts. But we are where we are now and this monumental shift has had huge positive financial implications for Ethiopia because we now have the possibilities of free movement of people, goods, skills and services which can only benefit Ethiopia. With regard to Ghana, in podcast episode number 15, I spoke about President Akufoado and his intention to grant visa entry to citizens from across the Caribbean and to also push to get Africans in the global African community to recognise the benefits of returning to Ghana under the right of a board law and begin to think about setting up businesses in Ghana. Now, both the leaders of Ethiopia and Ghana are under no illusions about the huge financial benefits that will come from strengthening trade, investment and the movement of people, goods and services in these two countries. And they're under no illusions about the need to deepen trade and commercial relations in these two countries, particularly in areas like mining, sports, culture, tourism, education and training. The implication for positive financial futures for Ethiopia and Ghana are therefore huge. The next area we need to talk about is the role of remittances in building partnerships beyond the personal towards business benefits. I don't think we as African people are fully aware of the role of our remittances. Money we send home to African countries via Western Union, MoneyGram, PayWise, TransferWise and other money transfer services. We're not aware of the role this money pays in fueling businesses and the economies of various African countries. The World Bank reported that remittances to Africa, excluding North Africa, were expected to reach 47 billion by the end of 2019. 47 billion! And it's accepted that our remittances are funding economic growth and infrastructure development across Africa because the sums of money we're talking about are so huge. So these monies inevitably become part of the gross domestic product, the income of particular African countries. So what if remittances were used in a more visible business development way in African countries? What would happen if African people outside Africa had a direct route to funding investment into various sectors of African business and development in African countries? A bit like instead of paying partner, you sent your regular weekly money or monthly investment to Africa, knowing that the money was being used to develop businesses from which we'd be getting a return on our money. What impact would that have on changing and positively developing the current money mindset of Africans outside Africa? I can tell you it would be huge. 
Now, of course, a lot of work would need to be done to change the view of African governments being portrayed as the most corrupt governments in the world. Wrongs would need to be righted in reference to the role Western and Eastern governments play in corrupting African governments in order to increase their own profits and reduce their tax burdens, a lot like they do in their own respective countries. But that aside, Nigeria is one of the countries making huge moves to create transparent ways for Nigerians living outside Africa to invest in their country as well as attempting to address things like double taxation disincentives. Now, double taxation is when your money is, let's say, taxed at 20% in the UK and then taxed again at various rates if it comes into Nigeria as income. The taxation system for inward investment into countries like Nigeria are complex and confusing and definitely put off a lot of people who might want to do more in Africa with their money. So this type of financial hamstring is also linked to really high entry-level investment costs, which act against low and median income Africans from being able to invest in an established business in an African country. So what I mean is that if in, in certain countries, if you want to just go and start a business, you're expected to have certain amounts of money. In Ethiopia, for example, it used to be that you had to have $100,000 before you could be considered being able to enter Ethiopia and get a valid visa as a business person. Now, what African person has a spare $100,000 lying around? Not that many. And it's these kinds of financial hamstrings that prevent Africans from outside Africa from being able to come up with the necessary business startup capital that would be linked to their ability to start businesses in Africa and have the required freedom of movement in order to grow their businesses, perhaps in that African country and also in other African countries and also outside of Africa. Now, I know I'm significantly simplifying things here, but that said, these kinds of financial barriers that prevent Africans in the global African community from doing more with their small amounts of money than to simply send it to Africa as remittances needs to be addressed to attract the best African talent the West has and to enable good quality skills transfers between the global African community and Africans living in the continent. For example, contrast the complex world of entry-level investment and double and multiple taxation with a simple money transfer system where you pay the transfer fee in return for a reduced rate on your pound or your dollar. That transaction is simple, even if it's a little unfair, since the exchange rates for your money are quite low in comparison to bank rates. But that aside, what I'm saying 
is that if we could get a similar system for Africans outside Africa who want to invest small amounts of money in Nigerian businesses or Ethiopian business or Ghana or Cote d'Ivoire or Benin, for example, this is where the growth market is for remittances and where we have a potentially positive, explosive financial relationship between Africans living outside Africa and African businesses and infrastructure development programs inside Africa. Whatever the case, entry-level investment costs need to be reduced to attract the best talent the global African community has to offer and to enable good quality skills transfers between Africans in the global African community and Africans living in the various African countries on the continent. Trust me, we are really far from this. But nevertheless, I'm excited by the prospect of this happening as African countries like Ethiopia and Ghana forge stronger citizenship links with Africans living outside of those countries. The potential benefits are limitless, particularly in relation to creating opportunities to exploit the benefits of having partners with links in African countries, partnering with Africans who live in European countries. The opportunity to upskill or to diversify products into new markets is huge. Examples of this could be in areas like books, new foods and authentic African clothes and crafts being transferred into Western businesses with interest in such markets being tied to low entry business setup costs, which could be supported with business startup monies or by targeted remittances, or even by ethical microfinance systems. I'm just saying, if we can get these two areas right, that's freedom of movement for Africans who want to travel from Western countries into African countries with a view to starting up businesses, and also business entry costs for Africans in the global African community who want to take their money and transfer that money into business and infrastructure in Africa. If we can get these two areas right, then the potential for business growth in Africa and partnerships between Africans in the global African community and Africans who live in particular African countries is huge because these are the two biggest barriers and don't think for a second that western governments don't know this they do now i want to finish by looking at the kind of businesses we could start in africa if these two areas were both favorable in the area of film and television we have some wonderful young african filmmakers in the west who are breaking new ground using mobile phones to make full feature-length films about their experiences. And there is a ready and growing local and international market for this, not least because markets are now online. The potential to link these markets to African film industries is huge. The African Union set up the African 
Audiovisual and Cinema Commission in Nairobi in 2017 with the aim of growing this industry from its current 7 billion status to a potential 20 billion into the next decade. And if that's possible, it could create millions of jobs across Africa. That's one area. Food processing is another area with the potential for Africans in the global African community to use their resources to set up businesses that target areas like food wastage and food spoilage. The potential in these areas is huge. The African continent is an agri-based continent which grows food mainly in seasonal cycles. But there has always been a difficulty about underinvestment and also in diversifying the agricultural offer at local level. And as a consequence of this, we see a large number of farmers growing the same crops, which increases wastage due to the limited size of local markets. But what if we could can vegetables for external and fraternal markets? This would have a huge impact on reducing food wastage and spoilage, as well as bringing in additional export benefits from intra-Africa and fraternal trade agreements. Why couldn't we set up food processing and canning businesses with a view to exploiting markets in the West? Why couldn't we do that if the entry costs for this type of business could be reduced. The same could be said for achieving commercial grain processing plants by targeting grains and crops in high demand but not locally sourced in particular African countries. This would immediately cut down on African countries sourcing grains from outside Africa and it would also aim to replace the hostile international market dependency that pushes down the value of African produce and instead could move us towards intra-Africa trade, that's trade that Africa does with African countries, with a view to growing, processing, grinding, packaging and distributing grains for food, feed consumption and export to other countries. The potential here for business is huge. But if all of your money has to be put on hold to demonstrate that you can continue to make that business contribution, let's say it's 100,000, it doesn't leave much for the investment that you need to make in machinery to make this happen. Right now, you have China, India and Pakistan, who give their citizens low to zero interest rate loans so that they can come to Africa and to the Caribbean and set up any kind of business. Where is the support for us? It's not going to come unless African countries work on reducing the entry-level burden to Africans who want to set up businesses in Africa. Businesses that will benefit African people and benefit African economies. Now, if we want to look at businesses that have low entry costs, then we need to be looking in the area of personal hygiene products 
and easily accessible reusable sanitary products that are specifically targeted at lower income and mass market purchases. Making such products locally in Africa is easy because the entry level costs for materials are relatively cheap. The idea would be to prepare items in small sizes to appeal to mass markets, whilst at the same time making more aspirational products for people who aspire to purchase things that are seen as more classy or more expensive. The unique selling point for these types of products would be the use of locally sourced health ingredients like aloe vera or lavender and a range of other healthy oils which could be referenced as organic or natural in origin. There are huge African markets in the West for this type of product where the focus is on health and organic product quality made in Africa for Africans. And I want to finish with one of the biggest business areas that is going to hit Africa, and that is the business of solar power. Increasingly, the African continent is diversifying its power sources. I personally know many friends in Africa who use a mix of grid electricity, wood burners, water power, and solar power. And all of these things combine to give them a proportion of their electricity for consumption by their families. And whatever they have left, they then sell to the villages. Investing in small solar power kits and installation systems that could be duplicated, repackaged and sold in low-income markets is a really exciting business opportunity. These are just four business ideas I can think of that would benefit hugely from using our remittances, free movement of African people from Western white countries into African countries, transfer of knowledge and skills and experiences, and access to new intra-Africa and fraternal markets, as a way of strengthening the financial offer that Africans from the global African community could see if we decided to invest in Africa in partnership with Africans in particular African countries. The potential is huge and I really want you to start to feel inspired about this. Because if we don't start to feel inspired, we're not going to look at the details that are constantly coming out of Africa. And we're not going to reason with each other about how we can make some of these changes fit our own circumstances and our own aspirations. Now, as I wrap up, I know that I've simplified the issues that prevent Africans from being able to start businesses in Africa. And I also know that I've simplified areas like raising money and business and finance areas like taxation. But I'm not sorry for that. Sometimes we need to bring things down to a basic level 
so we can grapple with content and get our heads around the potential for positive change that will benefit Africans in the global African community and Africans on the continent. This is what I've tried to do here and I hope you found this episode useful. I'm not expecting you to sort of take action. What I am hoping this episode does is make you feel inspired to continue to keep your finger on the pulse of the exciting changes that are happening in Africa. Because maybe you don't want to set up an online business. Maybe your heart is in setting up a brick and mortar business in Africa. Because although brick and mortar businesses are dying in the West, they're growing in Africa. And that opportunity, if we could just package it correctly, is a huge opportunity for those of us in the West who want to go to Africa and set up businesses. If you're interested in starting a business or you're interested in just doing some research, a book is as good a starting place as any. And I would recommend a book called 101 Ways to Make Money in Africa by John Paul Iwoha. You can find the link to the book at the end of the show notes. I really hope you got something out of this week's episode. And at the very least, the discussion has stimulated some ideas in your mind that you'll follow up later. As usual, thank you so much for tuning in. It means a lot when you take time out of your busy schedules to give me 30 minutes of your time. I really do appreciate you. Keep moving forward and keep moving towards freeing ourselves from the Western ties that bind us against being able to live our best lives. You've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asha and I'm out.